A podcast network. I'm Jessa. And I'm Aaron. And we're Mormon in the Meth Head. And you're listening to Radio 8 Ball with Andras Jones. Did you like it okay so far? Yeah, it's good. Okay. We're ethnically ambiguous. Our episodes run contiguous. We sure hope that you dig you us on the Radio 8 Ball Show. There's a few things we want to know. We seem to have misplaced our favorite pants. (laughs) Where are our pants? Where do we come from? Who are we? We just told you so. We're ethnically ambiguous. Our episodes run contiguous. We sure hope that you dig you us on the Radio 8 Ball Show. And welcome back to Radio 8 Ball, the show where we answer questions by picking songs at random and interpreting those randomly chosen songs as the answers to the questions. I'm your host, Andras Jones, hanging out with our musical guest, me, performing the Oracle Fodder, the songs almost entirely written by guests who have been on the show in the past. And this is a very special and unique experiment in pop oracling in that the show is not really about the musical guest. In this case, the show is about some of my favorite podcast hosts. And in our last segment, we had The Mormon and the Meth Head, two of my newest fam- favorite podcast hosts. And now, for this one, we have the return of the, some of my first colleagues that I met here at Starburns when they were broadcasting on Starburns. The band, I mean, the band, the podcast, <laughs> Ethnically Ambiguous. Hi! Hello, Hello, Anna and Shireen. Welcome Hello. back. Were you Thank also you. new to the network? I was. That was my. Oh, wow. That was my first weekend of, of tapes oh. of taping. I didn't realize that. Yeah, yeah. And we were all fresh. Oh. Yeah, and then uh, we're fresh, and now we're just riped. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. ripened and, and yeah, bushy. Yeah, well, you have been. You've had a meteoric rise. I've seen your the I call ethnically. It that. Amb- oh, you just had <laughs> Alfred friggin' Molina on okay, your well, show. That was definitely a pinnacle. <laughs> yeah, that we was... had to stalk him for years. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he finally just yeah. We, he, we wore him down after the fifth time we banged on his window. So, mm-hmm. yeah. That was, uh, that, well, and I've seen you, you've been getting a lot of nice press. And of course yeah. you are. It's a great, it's a it's great been, it's podcast. Been cool. It's been cool. It's been uh, trying. How would you, how, just to, so for listeners who are not familiar with Ethnically Ambiguous, can you, I mean, obviously, pretty much just from the song, you could probably tell what the show's about. But really, no, what, how do you describe the show to people who you're meeting for the first time? It's a show about basically being a person of color in America and being mm-hmm. raised by immigrants. And, and we cover a lot of news that you're just not going to hear about because it's Middle Eastern news and yeah. nobody really cares about the Middle East except for us. Yeah, <laughs> we cover a lot of Middle Eastern news that Western media seems to either put under the rug or twist in a different way that is convenient to the West. And we also have ethnically ambiguous guests like Alfred Molina or people that are immigrants and have immigrant stories and people that are in industries that um, are are fledging their own path in a way that inspire us. So it's a mix of all of that. 
Got it. And then we also sprinkle in our own personal experiences being children of immigrants and being women of color. Yeah. 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 Well, it's a, uh, like I said, it's a, uh, and you're just, you're fun people to listen to. Thanks. Yeah. I'm glad you think so. I'm yeah. glad too. Yeah. Yeah. We want to be fun. Yeah. We're fun. That's what we ever wanted was to have fun. <laughs> we were fun. Yeah. And uh, Shereen, you were also on the show. You came in when Abby Weems was a guest. I was. You have, yeah. uh, are you still, did, now, you asked at the time, you asked a question about your friend. You were like, you were having well, yeah, anxiety get, about your friendship. Well, yeah, I anxiety fr- about friendships and just relationships in general. But, no, we're great. She's, You're still good? She's one of my best friends. Oh, cool. Yeah. I'm she's, glad. She's the best. I love her a lot. That was a really great... I'll, I'll link to it in this. I thought you that was should. a really yeah. great segment. She's, she's really talented. Oh, her song. All the praise. It actually, I don't know when this comes out, but the, her band has a new album coming out on March 1st. And so. It'll already be out, um, and I, you perfect. should go get it. Yeah, it's called Snafu. She's so talented. I love her so much. Tabby, I love you. <laughs> but yeah, that was a cool episode. That was and say the name of the band. You said her band. Oh, Potty Mouth. Potty, Potty Mouth. Mouth. I've done a couple of videos for them, so it's been cool. Cool. Potty Mouth. So we're going to get into your questions, but one of the things that I wanted to do when uh, for this episode. Oh, by the way, we have an, we have another guest in the we in the do. studio. You hear him? You may hear him making cute noises. He is na- he is Ace Biscuits. Yes, my son Ace Biscuits. I had to bring my dog because my uh, I he's a young puppy and he uh, cannot be left at home for too long with my big cats who just want to bully him. Okay, so, he's, he's kind of the same size as her cats. So yeah, he's about the, he doesn't have a lot of. Um, weight on them either yeah. so they kind of like team up on him and so i don't want to <laughs> i don't want to come home to him being like help me he's very cute he's very cute so if you hear me making any squeaky noises it's probably because i'm looking at east biscuits and you're like oh yeah, yeah. Oh. i brought his so, bone so he's fully distracted with that now so yeah so what i part of the what i wanted to do with these with these podcasts or with this podcast was invite podcast hosts that I listen to a lot and like and be able to sort of do what we all want to do when we listen to podcasts. We're like, oh, I want to have a conversation with these people about this. Yeah. You know? And the con- and I've been having... So I do have a, a topic. I sent you an email about it. I have a topic I want to talk with you about um, that listeners, shows, listeners to this show know that I've been having this conversation on and off with guests who I feel like I can have the conversation with. And your show is perfect for it. The conversation is about anti-Semitism. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I think of anti-Semitism as being incredibly ethnically ambiguous because, first of all, it's a term that can be applied to both Jews and Arabs and Muslim mm-hmm. people, but it was invented by German racists to come up with a scientific explanation for why they should exterminate Jews. Mm-hmm. And also, people are good... And then as you got into in your most recent episode in a way that I thought was really great in defending Ilan Omar and when she was called out for being anti-Semitic for saying something that was not anti-Semitic at all, which was just talking about basic politics and mm-hmm. saying that APAC, like a lot of uh, PACs, advo- uses yeah. money to advocate for their agenda. Their lobbyists. Right. Yeah. Whether or not even you agree, it's not even a negative, it's like, that's. I mean, yeah. it is a negative if you don't believe in money and politics, but it's sort of, it's, I totally agree with you about that, but that's another way that anti-Semitism is so ethnically ambiguous mm-hmm. because there's people who have a very, of a political agenda and use, weaponize that yeah. term to 
uh, as I, again, I thought you said very well on the show, aim it at the wrong people, which in, again makes it harder for people who are, for Jews who actually experience anti-Semitism to bring it up and yeah. point it out because people are on alert for... It cheapens the truth. Yeah. yeah. And then a lot of people really react poorly to it and I don't feel like have a very nuanced understanding mm -hmm. of it in the sense of like... Um, for a lot of people, if you're not being, if there aren't, if you're not being forced into concentration camps or your synagogue isn't being bombed, there's no anti-Semitism going on. Mm -hmm. But just like with all of the other oppression patterns that you talk about in your show and that a lot of people are aware of, you know, there are microaggressions, there are hurdles to to access, there are all kinds of ways that oppression patterns can be subtle unless they're happening to you. Yeah, right. Whereas concentration, there's nothing subtle about concentration camps. There's nothing, mm -hmm. nothing subtle about the most overt kinds of oppression, but there's certainly degrees of it. And I feel like the degrees of it get really lost. Mm -hmm. And and so I had been wanting, as I as we've been approaching this, I was like, how do I broach this topic with them? How do I broach this topic with them? I, I know we can have this conversation. I'm really excited to have it. But every time I try and have this conversation with people, people get really angry. And, and I was like, I don't want to like start a fight. I really want to have a conversation about the this ethnically ambiguous term. Mm -hmm. And then you had your episode. And you opened <laughs> yeah. up the door and you had this conversation. Yeah, I read your mind. Yeah. I was like, this is perfect. Yeah. We are so in sync. Mm -hmm. That's like the synchronicity of this. Okay, well, so this is the conversation that needs to be had. Yes. And, and in fact, um, I've actually been thinking, I was looking... I want to do, I, I do a daily podcast. I don't have any time to do another podcast, but there's a part of me in my mind, I was like, I want to do a podcast called, Is It Anti-Semitism? Mm -hmm. And just like a, every little, like, is that? Isn't, like, yeah. if it, we were talking about Ilan Omar, I'd be, no. And I think most people, yeah. like, that is clearly not. But I would say that in the whole thing, there are probably areas we could look at. Yeah. They're like, oh, yeah, there's some anti-Semitism we could look at here because... It's everywhere, just like sexism is everywhere, and racism is everywhere, and classism is everywhere. There, it's in the air, and we can look at it. And if you, if it affects you, you have to deal with it. And if it doesn't affect you, if you care about someone who it affects, then you want to deal with it. Mm -hmm. So anyway, that's my big preface to opening this conversation. Um, so I guess I want to start. And I, what I want to also say is when, if we get to the point where you, one of you has a question, we'll just move into the okay. pop oracling. But I wanted to start this conversation because, um, so let's, I just want to talk about the, let's, let's talk about ethnically ambiguous, that's your brand. What do you think about the ethnic ambiguity of that term, anti-Semitism? Well... To be semi, it's an interesting thing because sometimes I, I get stuck in my head with it where I'm like, to be semi is to be a person person of like Arab culture mm -hmm. or, you know, Jewish, Israeli culture, anyone who speaks Hebrew or Arabic and, and just that region, you're technically semi. So it's a very interesting thing where I'm like, so if the Arabs are upset, like the Palestinians are upset that the Israel government is pushing them out. I, you, I don't even know if you can call them anti-Semitic. Like, to me, 
they're not being anti-Semitic. No, no, not at all. Because they're not against themselves. Yeah. They actually, they're, they're against a government. They're against, a, like, a regime, in a sense. They're nothing to do with, they're anti-Zionist, is what they are. Yeah. They're not anti-Semitic. Because they're not, t Arabs aren't Zion, unless, you know, that's, it's a personal choice to be a Zionist, you know. Um, so I, I get stuck where I'm like, that's so fascinating that that term gets thrown around. Because I feel like a true anti-Semite is what Nazis were, obviously. Yeah. Or, like, a white nationalist who doesn't believe anything but, you know, the ultimate white race should be the people living on earth like that's an anti-semite yeah i don't think someone who's being like hey like that's a human life i wouldn't take the their home because you want that land that's just not fair like then people are like well that's anti-semitic and it's like it's not it's actually it's just become so convoluted yeah like you can't really people i don't think understand the actual definition of that term i think in their mind it means anti-jew but really semite mm -hmm. means arab it means person of that region as Anna said it's it's not about being anti-Jew at all um defending Palestinians and everything is defending the right of people that have been on that land for thousands of years and insulting them is also being anti-semitic in a way you know because they belong there just as much as anyone else so I think um there is a lot of ethnic ambiguity to that term only because people have now made it into a term that means anti-jewish people when really criticizing israel and and defending palestinians is also deemed as anti-semitic and anti-jew as well now which is so problematic because it's not the case oh well, yeah so yeah. Uh, let me back up for a couple things so for i'll tell you so one of the ways that anti-semitism has affected me is that i don't want to have anything like i'm a jewish person mm -hmm. But I don't have anything to do with Israel mm -hmm. at all. Like, I've never wanted to go there. I don't want, I have a hard time even thinking about it. I feel totally propagandized about it. I don't, you know, it just seems they're in bed with our country, which I know that no one, no one good is in bed with <laughs> our country. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And that's something that I have, a place that I actually have a vote in. So I'm, like, he heavily against the people in our country, the United States, who support mm -hmm. the people in Israel who are doing what they're doing. But I have a whole, like, I don't even, like, when I'm hanging out with Jewish people, I'm the most critical person around about Israel. But when I'm hanging out with people who are not Jewish, I don't want to, it's hard for me to talk about because in talking, first of all, I don't have, I'm not, I have no expertise. And people immediately assume that as a Jew, I have to have strong feelings yeah. and my, that my opinion about Israel matters. And my opinion about Israel doesn't matter at all. Like I say, I've never been there. And I recognize that there's so much propaganda about it mm -hmm. that it's like, I know more about the Oscars, mm -hmm. yeah. right? Um, so to me, anti-Semitism, like I don't, like conversations about anti-Semitism in Israel are sort of, even though the people who are framing that conversation in terms of anti-Semitism, I don't even think, to me, that's, they're, they're separate conversations. Right, right. My interest is like, how is it for a Jew at any point in the world, at any point, how is their experience mm -hmm. of being a Jew? And like, what is that, like, how does how is it harder like like just for anyone how is it hard for a person who's uh for a gay person to go through the world mm -hmm. like i don't know what that's like but if someone but i tried to get my mind around that or what is it like i'm i'm in a relationship with if i'm in a relationship with a woman or i like my mom or my sister yeah. or my well, that, that, like, that, that's what anti-semitism should be defined as like the experience of a jewish person but i think uh just like with upon omar she was she was uh, criticized as being anti-Semitic anti because of her statements about an Israeli issue. So I think that kind of 
is just indicative of what the term has has mutated into and it's so upsetting because like actual acts of anti-semitism where it's like you see a swastika in a school or like you see uh, uh, someone insulting a, a Jewish person or, or, or accusing them of a stereotype or something that's actual anti-semitism but now it's just like that has gone away like it's, it's anti-semitism is like a hate crime just as just as much as as anything else but uh, that's what sometimes and that's what I, that you also said like you're talking about anti-semites like I don't I don't know any anti-Semites. Mm-hmm. I just like I don't know any like racists. We're, we're I know people. To live in LA. Yeah, yeah, but I even uh, like, but in, just in my own world, mm-hmm. I encounter anti-Semitism every day. I encounter racism and sex, but I don't know a lot of people who are going around being yeah. like, "I'm a sexist." Yeah. Women get back in the fuck, you know. Right. I just know people who have unconscious to who have unconscious do unconscious things, and if right. they don't get checked or pointed out, then. There are hurdles to access for women if we if men aren't aware of like the subtle ways that are, again are subtle if they're not happening to you. Yeah. If they're happening to you, there's nothing subtle about it at all. It mm-hmm. makes your skin crawl. But someone else could be going along and just being like, "Well, I'm not a sexist. I just like to make those kind of jokes." Mm-hmm, well, right. it makes me uncomfortable, and yeah. I you should listen when I say so. Mm-hmm. And I feel like the same. But I feel like that like if I. Whenever my experience is, whenever I've brought up anti-Semitism to people, there either there's two conversations. One, we immediately start talking about Israel, and I'm like, I don't know anything about Israel. I just know that the way that this meeting was conducted, you did some shit that was like made me feel uncomfortable. And then the other one is like, but I'm not an anti-Semite. Right. Like, yeah. I never said you were an anti. I don't know any anti-Semites. You'd have yeah. to call. You'd have to call yourself that. Yeah. You know. But I do know that it's in the air. You know. And if <laughs> if your response to so this is these are I have these little triggers that I know it's like if your response to someone who brings up anti-Semitism is to immediately get defensive and say you're not an anti-Semite and trying to keep them from having that conversation, you might be an anti-Semite. There's some anti-Semitism. Yeah. <laughs> it's not even there's anti-Semitism in the air. Yeah, this yeah. is a good time to recognize it. Getting defensive yeah. is never you know co- conducive to anything. And in this conversation with Ilan Omar, one of the things that I've been noticing is like she I've totally you know I'm with Bernie Sanders. And with Glenn Greenwald, some good Menchie Jews, like, defend her. That's bullshit. Yeah. You know, at the same time, all of a sudden, all my, all these people I know are are all of a sudden experts in what isn't anti-Semitism mm-hmm. and shouting, this is, okay, but is anyone going to talk about what is? Yeah. Because it's all over the place, baby. It's, right. you, you just watch some movies, watch some TV, listen to, you know, listen to somebody who, had a you know who is defined as too intense or too blah blah you know and wasn't able to keep a job or what, because of that it's like let's pay attention let's this is the conversation I'm dying to have mm-hmm. is like and this is one of the things that I love about your show is when you talk with people about their personal stories who was the guy you talked to recently for, I'm sorry for forgetting his name he's he was raised on a commune oh, Ahmed uh, uh, Weinberg yeah. I loved yeah. That episode, and I felt like there was a there was a one there was a beautiful moment in that episode where uh, I just felt him being both. Mm-hmm. Just made me uh, I I almost want to cry. Mm-hmm. It was so beautiful. Howard um, Weinberg, for those that don't know by just like his name, yeah. he's both Muslim and Jewish. He's yeah. both Muslim and Jewish, and there was a point when you were talking about uh, birthright tour- trips, and he was talking about. Both how it's fucked up 
and about how he felt as a Jew being there. And I felt and there was one point where you were talking about something. He's like, yeah, but those people, like the people you have to understand, they've had this trauma and they, and just, ah, just moved my heart so much because it was that, it was the ethnically ambiguous conversation. It's not so simple. None of this stuff is so simple. We are right. like, there is an, an ambiguity to that. Like Jewish ambiguity, ethnic ambiguity is super intense because you're white but you yeah. don't feel white mm -hmm. and you might not be white under certain circumstances. So you like one of my earliest memories of being Jewish is my dad saying like why well, my mom didn't want me to oh he didn't want me to watch the Holocaust the movie the Holocaust mm -hmm. the, when it was on TV that's how I'm dating myself. Was, <laughs> yeah. And my mom I'm sure did and I remember after I watched it he sort of pulled me aside he's like it's okay because if you ever need to you can just be a Jones. And like, cause I, I'm, my family name would be, Shmo my, my mom's name, which is what the Jewish oh. ma matrilineal thing, I would be Shmushkin or oh. Smullen. Wow. But because I have my dad's name, I was Jones. And I've spent my whole life trying to take that route. Like there's something in me that has been like, no fucking way, I'm never gonna be able to do that. I'm gonna do everything in my power to make it impossible for me to hide behind being Jones. I love my dad and there's a lot of things I love about him, but that like put up, you know, chip on yeah. my shoulder about it. Mm -hmm. But that's, you know, that's like a, this little, the kind of little nuggets of ethnic ambiguity that I feel like you get into so well because you're talking about people's individual experience. Mm -hmm. And that's where this stuff lives, right? Where the conversation really, I mean, there's the geopolitical thing, but we don't really have much say over that. Mm -hmm. But how we figure out the nuts and bolts of how we became who we are, all the stuff yeah. that's in your theme song. Not the dumb one I wrote, the no, nice one on your show. Yours was great. <laughs> yeah, well, I think it's it's very sensitive because even saying like, oh, what the Arabs are getting upset about is an anti-Semitism. Anti-Semitism exists in that region because, you know, when Iran is very anti-Semitic. Mm -hmm. They don't like Jewish people. A lot of Jewish people were run out of Iran because Islam is so prominent. And now that it's literally an Islamic republic, it's very hard to be openly other religions. So there is... It's there, and it and and I understand why you would want your own like place. It makes sense, like what Ahmed was saying. It's like they've gone through this trauma and they found their place and they want to stay here, which is fine. You know, I have no problem with the concept of Israel. I do have a problem with how it was. It's currently being executed. Like, oh, yeah. yeah, like it's if you terrible. put a like a man who wants power and 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 everything to be his way, like Netanyahu in charge, there's going to be issues. We're going through it right now with our own president. It's terrible. And, yeah. And it's just, it it just deludes everything because you're, you're trying to be like, these are human beings and what you're doing is really wrong, but you also don't want to criticize a group of people who've already been through it. It's, it's very sensitive. It's like you have to approach it right. Like what Ilhan Omar did by saying like it was all about the Benjamins. I think what people jumped on is being like, you are putting in a stereotype that Jewish people are all obsessed with money. And then it's like, yeah, you, you're edging towards that territory. But at the same time, you're talking about APAC. And, it, yeah. and it's this, 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 it comes to a head where it's like, you have to be aware that, unfortunately, this is the world we live in. And Israel is such a sensitive topic. Like, we only, in the last few years, were able to start being like, it is kind of bad what they're doing right like you couldn't speak openly about it like when we first started our show we yeah. would cut out whole segments where we were going after israel because we'd be like fuck like how yeah. we're people a new are show not gonna we're not this. gonna be like yeah we're gonna be like god after or whatever but like 
I don't know. I mean, I don't know if I agree completely. Like, I have an issue with Israel only in the sense that it's take like Palestine was already there. It's not like it was a new land founded right. on a brand new island. It was literally Palestine, and then it was Israel, and and that was because of fucking William Churchill just being like, "This is Israel now," without any consent of the people that are already there. That's my issue with Israel. I think right, it was not executed well. Like they could have all lived there peacefully because there was no, because they large did live Jewish there quarters yeah. in Palestine. I actually have yeah. an old map of Palestine that I'm like obsessed with because it shows everyone like the Christians, the Jews, the Muslims yeah. all lived together in yeah. their own little quarters but then there was Jerusalem where everyone got like yeah. that was where people they went they lived peacefully for thousands of years and in Syria too the same issue like I when I was growing up there where there was Jewish quarters there was Christian quarters, Muslim quarters and cause it's a secular country but my grandpa would like buy bread from the Jewish quarters and then go get cucumbers from the Christian quarters and everyone lived there so peacefully and the same happened in Palestine but I think Israel is so powered by Zionism, that's the issue I have with it, is that it's as if they are more important than the other people that are seriously just like them. Right. <laughs> but um, to go back to what you were saying about your dad, I think his intention of saying that to you was just like self-preservation. And I think it is problematic for sure, but so many ethnic Jews here in the States change their last names. Right. And I think yeah. a lot of ethnicities do that, whether you're Lopez or whether you're uh, uh, like Muhammad, whatever, like my dad goes by Sam. Like I think so many of us ethnic named people, uh, white, like we, we make ourselves more white just to appease others or not be problematic or scare people. Um, and I think your, your dad was just trying to do that for you and just so you can have an easier life. And I think the fact that that was his first thought is problematic, but it's just indicative of how he has seen maybe his wife being treated or whatever. So, um, I mean, he was a therapist. He had a lot of Jewish, like he, I, he had a lot of, I think he had a lot of clients who were Jewish and, and were either Holocaust survivors or mm -hmm. children of Holocaust survivors. And so he had a... You know, he just said he approached it as someone who was compassionately thinking from the outside, mm -hmm. but could not uh, understand how that would impact from the inside. Right. Because to me, like as an artist, I want to be authentic. Mm -hmm. I've gotten into way more trouble <laughs> trying to break, because I'll encounter anti-Semitism from people who don't know I'm Jewish. And then when I point it out, they're like, but I can't be anti-Semitic. I didn't even know you were Jewish. Right. I'm like... <laughs> Doesn't matter. <laughs> Doesn't matter. And, and and they're all mad because I, I like somehow snuck up on them. Right. How about you? You know, yeah, like you tricked them. Like, no, no. Yeah. So I'm like, I've become more and more vocal right. about it. But it's you know, so uh, so yes. Yeah, so, I mean, I know my dad was had his intention was good, and I and I, for a long time I kind of even thought I believed it. Mm-hmm. Until I started to understand what anti-Semitism was because, and I wouldn't have understood anti-Semitism if I hadn't been around people who were teaching me about sexism and homophobia and racism. And I was starting to realize, oh, a lot of the things that you're experiencing, I have, those resonate with me just in my own particular way. And then people who were Jewish and understood anti-Semitism helped me to understand those things. And then I've been going crazy ever since then because... I see him, but I don't know how to have the conversation. Yeah. Right. You know, and because I'm a progressive, I mostly hang out with people who are very critical of it, who are really passionately and urgently critical about Israel in a way that I I support. Mm -hmm. But also on the personal level, there's this just this this hurdle of like, 
Well, I mean, we talk, you, I sent you that, I don't know if you heard the podcast I did with David, but I talked about, uh, I used the analogy of being really highly critical of Hillary Clinton. I thought she was a terrible candidate. I was very critical of her. And I was also very aware that there's a lot of sexism that was pointed at her. And if I was going to be critical of Hillary Clinton, I had to also do a little extra duty of like yeah. edging out the people who were you know, mm-hmm. making fun of the sound of her voice or her pants, use words like pantsuit to like put her yeah. down or things like that. And like, no, no, let's talk about the drone strikes. Let's talk about the, you know, super predators. Let's talk about Wall Street money, but right. don't be a jerk about it because that sexism doesn't hurt her. It hurts my friends who are women. It hurts me. Mm-hmm. And I feel like I, that's where I want the conversation about anti-Semitism in Israel to get to. Is like, fuck Israel, my attitude. But... Some people who say that don't just mean fuck Israel. They also mean shut up Jews, you're ba- you know, you're all of these tropes. Well, and not Ilan Omar. I think she's yeah. smart. Like, I'm talking about dumb people, mm-hmm. not yeah. intelligent people like yourselves or like her who are focusing on a really important issue. Yeah. Well, that's why I think Jewish people and people that consider this, like either culturally or literally Jewish, when they criticize Israel openly, that's what's so important because... Like Ilhan Omar, of course she was going to come become this like yeah. this icon of anti-Semitism because she's a covered Muslim woman. She's brown. Of course, she's, everyone's going to labor hold that way. But like Natalie Portman, when mm-hmm. she criticized Israel recently, Nothing. that's that's what I really admire about them because like they are putting a lot on the line. But with when a Jewish person openly criticizes a place that they're supposed to defend by default because they know better, I think that's what's important. So when you, as a Jewish man, criticize Israel I think that opens a conversation up to your friends to the people around you being like oh you can be Jewish but still critical of Israel because I have friends that are Jewish that don't even know a lot about their religion or their culture but just assume they should defend Israel and I think that's really problematic because it's being Jewish doesn't mean you're pro-Israel by default but I think that that they assume so well I think I think that and this is why I think that they're these are wrapped Mm -hmm. like in order to I know that to the extent that I feel uncomfortable being critical of Israel, it's that I don't, like, I don't mind, I have no problem being critical of Israel on my own Mm -hmm. to a a person. But to go to a rally where people are being critical of Israel and people are shouting or doing things that are Mm anti-Semitic and nobody's speaking up, then I'm like, I got to step away from this. It's just too personally traumatizing for me. I don't. Mm-hmm. Might, I might. You know. I can get the real politic of it, but just as a yeah. on a human nervous system level, no, yeah. if I, if no one else is saying eh, that, it, like it's same thing that you're saying. If there aren't the people who are non-Jews who are saying, "Whoa, yeah. now that's too far." Not what Ilhan well, Omar like, did. We but... criticize Saudi Arabia on our podcast a yeah. lot because their regime is right. terrible, but it's a Muslim country. Also um, in bed with our... If, just yeah. like, if they're in bed with the yeah. United States, they're you know not they're good. they're not good news. Yeah. yeah. But my point in bringing them up is just, like, when we criticize Saudi Arabia, we are not criticizing Islam. Like, that is right. not what we're doing. But right. I think other people would. I think they would use Saudi Arabia being, yes. like, they're oppressive towards women because of their religion, because of all of this. They would take Islam as the demon behind it. Right. When really, it right. is the politics. So I think it's the same kind of idea to separate the country and the politics from the actual people, because Muslims are not the problem. Saudi Arabia Arabia's government is right. Israel yeah. Israelis aren't the problem unless they are like actually the ones committing these acts. Um, but the government is. So when you go to these rallies, if like we're making up this rally that's happening, 
they that does invite people that are on the wrong side. Like if there's an anti Saudi Arabia rally, of there's course gonna there's going to be, be some Muslim banners in yeah. the fucking crowd because that, that's what yeah. they think it's all about. When, and so, it, and when you're when, when there's an anti Israel rally, that will invite people that assume that is a place for them to wear their swastikas or some shit. So right. it's like it, you always get these bad seeds that will try to make a good cause into their own twisted idea of what they think justice is. And Which hurts the cause. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. and that's why, uh, to me, and again, that's why I think your show, I keep, I'm gonna keep bringing it back to your show because really, and it's, this is what I'm doing, I kind of like, I wanted to be on your show, so I brought your <laughs> show onto my show. Uh, but I feel like that's, because it, the real work, like there's, the geopolitical stuff is really important and the going to rallies and being vocal, all of that is important, but the real work happens person to person in up-leveling our conversations is developing, like when we thought that sexism was just defined in the most stark ways, we couldn't have a Me Too movement. Mm -hmm. Now there's that because we can look at, okay, yeah, some stuff that we thought was okay is really not okay. And be that's because we can now have a nuanced conversation about it. And I feel like that's where, I think that's where we're trying to, where a lot of the stuff about intersectionality is getting us, is that we have to up-level all of our conversations to where we can be like, I disagree with this, but I also recognize that this is the context for that. And depending upon who I'm talking to, you know, we may not we may not be able to solve the problems in the Middle East here. We might just be able to solve, you know, get to getting to know each other and yeah. have, and understanding each other better. So that when I encounter someone who acts who's like reactive to me, I'm like, oh, okay. Well, maybe now I, from listening to the ethnically ambiguous mm -hmm. podcast, I recognize that that thing that just happened to them was totally fucked up. <laughs> but the person who did it had no idea because they don't listen to the ethnically ambiguous podcast, and all they do is watch you know some dumb tv show and so they don't even know that they're playing out a dumb stereotype that actually hurts people but because we've had conversations then we can go there so mm -hmm. and i say it all the time on the show the, the the format of my show doesn't leave time to solve all these issues but really to like bring up a conversation and maybe set a context for a question so i'm kind of curious do either of you and it doesn't have to be about this first of all Thank you so much for just letting me have this conversation with you. <laughs> of course. And if I do get decide that I'm going to do the podcast, uh, is it anti-Semitism <laughs> or I think it's anti-Semitism? Anti is it anti-Semitism? I'd it's love. Anti-Semitic. Is it anti-Semitic? I think it's anti. I think I want to call it anti. Ant is it anti-Semitism? Okay, because yeah. mm -hmm. I, it's not about blaming. It's not about right, the. Right, it's right. not about. Oh, that is a bad. And you are an anti-Semite. It's like oh. It's like a weather pattern. Right, right, right. Like, yeah. when everyone agrees that you just need to get fired because you're a bad person, if you're Jewish and it feels anti-Semitic, even if it isn't, if it feels like it is, it probably is for you because right. the feeling of getting kicked out of a community has real resonance, right? Well, yeah, if you're having a bad feeling, explore that feeling. Like, why does it make you uncomfortable? <laughs> why are you feeling weird? Like, why is it making other people uncomfortable? Just, like, be aware right. of, like, what you're saying and doing and how people's culture, even if it's just their grandparents' culture or what right. happened to their, you know, ancestors, like, think about it. It's a big Don't deal what happens yeah. to your ancestors. Yeah. 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 It, it frames your whole life. Yeah. yeah. 
And yeah. yeah, but then also at the same time, don't just go around calling anything or yeah. everything anti-Semitism because then when true anti-Semitism happens, um, it's yeah. impossible to actually decipher. Like if someone doesn't like you, does not mean they're anti-Semitic or that they're racist. Maybe you're an idiot. Like <laughs> <laughs> so, just like like there's actual anti-Semitism that is out there and a problem that should be called out, just like as there's racism and sexism or whatever. Um, but it shouldn't be taken lightly. Call out white men who do it. Yeah. Because they're Steve the worst King offenders. is out here saying some of the most oh. like embracing white yeah. nationalism. Well, no, this is the, what happened to me in Olympia was all white progressives getting mad about this. No, they're yeah. not like people who don't have actual blood in the game on either side of mm-hmm. it. Yeah. And have really, really strong opinions and are, I would say, are just as propagandized as yeah. me, but don't have the ambivalence sort of about like, well, since I'm propagandized and since everyone well, expects me to have Well, that's with straight white men. They just think their opinions <laughs> are the most important. And I gotta they, and say... They have, no, they have no problem just thinking they are the factual people. Just uh, It, it there, really grinds my fucking gears. There were some pretty obnoxious straight white women involved in this one, well, too. Well, yeah, white feminism is also a problem. Yeah, it is. It's, it's hard to see outside yourself sometimes, but you should try. Educate yourself. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's why, that's why being a person of color and having a show with someone else that's of color, it's, like, important because I feel like we weren't raised, or not even raised, we weren't, we're not in a society that values our opinions. <laughs> like, we're not yeah. in a society that, like, takes us at face value. So I think we have to fight for just an equal spot to be listened to on a... Just... And, when, when, and I feel like I'm saying this because when we do criticize a white guy or a straight white guy or whatever on our show, we get criticized for it. When I'm really? not even... Because like, I, I made up a term called whiteies. I didn't make it up. I just call people. I, got, yeah. I call white people whiteies because I think it's funny and cute, and they and they deserve it. But like, <laughs> it's not like I dislike white people. It's just like, first of all, you guys can take it. Like, you guys can take the like the the little jokes yeah. I make because yeah, you guys you'll be fine. you guys are a one in the fucking game. Like the top of the food chain. Just get the fuck over it. <laughs> yeah. And second of all, like. We've it's just rooting for the underdog, and we've been underdogs our whole fucking lives. And criticizing the majority is not because of hate; it's more because I just you, I want to challenge the status quo. I want to make people think differently about the status quo and why mm-hmm. they're why they keep obeying it for no reason. So yeah. when someone, for example, if you want to bring it back to politics, when someone valued or not even valued, when someone went the fact that a like I. I Though Hillary Clinton had her problems, I do think she was still more qualified than Donald Trump. Yes. So I'm saying, so when the most, when a qualified woman loses to the least qualified man, that is just, it's it's like we trust a white a white man by default. It's like, well, he right. must know what he's doing because she's a liar. It's like, well, he's also a liar and a garbage person, but he's still president now. So maybe that's not the best comparison, but my, 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 my point is criticizing white people does not make me hate them it makes me critical of the status quo so that's what I, my whole shit yeah. is and i'm yeah i and you're yeah. there's no disagreement there that's i think i'm just like preparing for like an onslaught of people being like you hate white people no no well first <laughs> yeah. of all no one listens to my show second of all <laughs> <laughs> no one's uh, the stars either. <laughs> I, second of all, I'm like anyone wants to come after them, you come after me first. Mm-hmm. I'm there. I am in total like I invited these two onto my show because I am in total 
total agreement with their show and that I've listened to it. Why I people love... are great if they're not shitty. The first time you met me, you thought I was, you You called me, you went after me as a white guy. and I, I did call you mayonnaise. Yeah, and I was. Did you? I did. <laughs> oh, and I, lo- I loved it. I had so much fun. That's it was the most great. fun I had the, that Damn. first week. You were just really, it was great. I, uh. That was fantastic. It's part of my whole act. I act really tough. But I thought. But again, it goes back to that ethnic ambiguity. I was like, ah, but that's part of it. Is like Mm -hmm. I, I, you are, but you pass. I have a ton. Like that's the thing is, I have a ton of white privilege. Mm -hmm. A ton of it. I think the thing that's Jewish about me is that I feel like, oh, I have all this white privilege. How how can I, you know, how can I weaponize it? How can I use it? How can I push the boundaries of not that Mm -hmm. as hard as I can because I can get away with it. Like, I, I remember at first, because I was raised as a little angry little feminist boy, mm-hmm. I, my goal as an actor and coming out to Hollywood was I want to, I wanna like, uh, be a, like the ultimate sex trader. Mm-hmm. I want to, like, expose all the worst aspects of toxic masculinity in, yeah, every, yeah. in all my roles. I didn't get to do it entirely. And a lot of times when I did it, it was in ways that the film was portraying as good. So it was didn't always work. But that yeah. idea is the Jewish part of me. It's like, okay, well, if I'm going to, if I'm going to get all this white privilege, how how much can I f- be you know be this well, like you know like that that's that'll that's, fuck you for justice? If you guy. are privileged, if you are a white person that is privileged, if you do if you are passing as if you have the privilege of passing or whatever, recognizing that privilege and utilizing yeah, it for a good cause, self-aware. that's that's what you're supposed to do. Whether you were raised in a wealthy family, whether you are uh, like have a privilege in other aspects of your life, utilizing it in a better way and recognizing it first of all and then utilizing it is far better than those who have privilege and either deny it or or don't recognize that they have the upper hand in a lot of situations that their counterparts don't. Yeah. Right, like I feel like we're actually good examples of that because we both come from families who have supported us and, you know, like we are, we didn't come... Like, I've always been privileged my whole life. And I didn't have to do this podcast. Like, I could have easily lived in, like, just ambiguity of, like, oh, whatever. Like, hey, you know, I'm in L.A. I'm doing, I'm working, I'm living, like, whatever. And, you know, and I I was like, ah, now that I actually have the opportunity to start a podcast, like, why not do it about something I can at least help people understand coming from this world and try and make it just easier, more fun to understand? Because sometimes... It's not fun to learn about the Middle East. It really isn't. And I thought we were like, let's do something cool and fun that makes it approachable to hear about how Saudi Arabia is murdering journalists. You know, like just trying to slide it in at the same time while making jokes and make it, you know, digestible. Yeah. That's something we wanted to do. Yeah. I, we... I mean, I wasn't really supported when I was younger. My parents, we were not, not not a lot of money. And my sister, who wanted to be a doctor, all her, all the money was funneled toward her. Towards her. Right, but you yeah, but you got, yeah. you got all the charisma. Yeah. You got all the charisma. Don't tell her that. But, uh, yeah, that's, it's actually very true. But, oh, you're uh, such a star. I mean, you really stop are. Stop talking sorry. about me. Okay. So, <laughs> but... The, but I do I, I'm like a filmmaker in my full time th- like as a as like my main thing but then starting the podcast it like invited this different medium and an avenue that I really had no idea about but it, it started to be like a weekly therapy like it was so helpful to talk to like to each other about issues that we both related to even though she's Iranian and I'm Syrian we both have similarities as far as growing up with immigrant parents or being felt feeling like the weird like immigrant girl at school or like having weird food or like being made fun of for certain things i think those experiences are so 
unifying and the things that made you feel weird and alien-like as you when you were a kid are those things that make you so special now and I feel like our intention with the podcast was to just like unite all the weirdos together and be like we're better this way you know like yeah. our differences are the biggest luxury and and we can use it to our advantage and not be ashamed of them anymore so I think um I feel like even I think that I think the podcast is a privilege in itself. Like having a platform is a privilege, and I think yeah. utilizing it to our best ability is the least right. we can do. So. Well, I want to I want to get to our to our format here. We haven't we haven't done a musical divination yet. So, which okay. one of you wants to start? You can go ahead if you want. Um. Okay. You went second last time you were on the show, so Did I? yeah, you get to go first this time. I have no memory of anything anymore. <laughs> it's crazy what a year under a Trump presidency can do to your Oof. mental state. Yeah. I have no sense I of. I feel anything. like you got a lobotomy. Yeah. 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 Exactly. Yeah. Like I have no sense of anything. Um, I guess my question would be: I was going to ask about my dog, but I now that I'm now that we've had this discussion, I have so much more on my mind. Um, where do you think? we're going to go in terms of like like the t- like okay let me rephrase it where do you think democrats will offen- officially kind of in the future stand on like israel because right now they don't israel is democrats don't stand on the progressive side of 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 uh being a critical of israel and so i guess i'm curious like where is our like the Democratic Party going when it comes to like these levels of progressiveness with like Elon Omar or Rashida mm-hmm. Tlaib. Like I'm curious where we're going with that. Like what our future looks like. The future of the Democratic Party in yeah. terms of its relationship to yeah. Israel. Yeah, yeah. Okay. That was, a, well. that was a long way to try and get to what no, you just No, no, that's great. <laughs> so now to engage the Pop Oracle, you get to spin the Wheel of Eight. <clears throat> Put this sleeping puppy down. Here we go. Na, 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 we love. Here we go. Spin it. Eight. What did it land on? Five. Oh, we already had five come up, so let's try it again. So now, to engage the pop oracle, you get to spin the wheel of eight. Na, 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 we love. Oh, we had four again. We're going to try one more time. So, And now to engage the pop oracle, you get to spin the wheel of eight. Na, 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 na. It's back on five. Okay, let's, uh, let's, let's go to the cards. Let's go to the cards. It's obviously... I don't have a chance. I will always roll a five. So, the wheel is not cooperating. So now to engage the pop oracle, you get to pick a card, any card. Pick a card, any card, pick a card. Song number six, which is Time. A song called Time by Josh Claytonfelt. Okay. Here we go. Time, when you can't make up your mind, it takes such a lot to find the place where you belong. Try when the ceiling gets too high, when the moments pass you by to believe you can't go wrong. Will we go again, racing towards the end? 
But I could not pretend that I don't see the ground. Oh, what do we run into? I'm already here with you. There's nothing much that we can do. If my love brings you down, then it is time when you can't make up your mind. It takes such a lot to find the place where you belong and try when the ceiling gets too high when the moments pass you by to believe you can't go wrong it's all too much to take you tell me that it's worth the wait but can't you see it's getting late so won't you lend a hand before it's time When you can't make up your mind It takes such a lot to find The place where you belong And if I told you what I needed Would you stay? If I couldn't me out Time when you can't make up your mind It takes such a lot to find The place where you belong And try when the ceiling gets too high When the moments pass you by to believe that you can't go wrong And oh, 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 it's time Ace really inspired my performance on that. That was a song called Time from my wow. old friend Josh Claytonfelt. I have a little story behind it I'll tell you in a second, but that was the answer to the question, what uh, will be the Democratic Party's relationship to Israel in the future? I mean, that was pretty yeah. spot on. I was feeling <laughs> that. some time. Okay, so I want to tell you, I want to get your take, so I'm gonna t- but I'm gonna t- usually this one, the, the songwriter tells their story about it. So I'll tell you my story about this songwriter. Uh, so Josh was my best friend in high school. He's, he, he died uh, in 2000, uh, which is still something I'm, you know, I'm, I'll never get over. Um, cancer, not, you know, so it mm-hmm. wasn't like a, it was a tragic death, but not like a violently tragic, but, yeah. you know. Um, and it's so perfect. So, oh, f- and this is a song that he wrote for the film That Thing You Do. We were writing songs for, that we're, we were pitching to That Thing You Do, the Tom Hanks oh. film. So this was his sort of like who type song and the way he did it has yeah. more who-ishness, but uh, who-ish. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but, so, uh, I grew up in Olympia, Washington, where there were no Jews at all. And then I moved to the East Coast and, and when I went to high school. And I went to high school with a, all of a sudden I was, met a lot of Jews. And one of them was my friend Josh. And he had a relationship with Israel. And he was the first person I remember arguing with about Israel. Mm-hmm. Like, I didn't know anything about it. I just thought the whole, like, when he told me the whole story, he was like, that's fucked up. Why are we even there? It's insane. Mm-hmm. Why we, you know, and mm-hmm. he, he got, like, we ended up having our first big fight about that. And it was, and so the fact that that came up as the answer mm-hmm. wow. is kind of perfect yeah. to me. Um, 
I even I wrote, I remember I wrote this song called it was dumb high school I'm an embarrassing song it's called Liddy Little Kitty and it was all about this I'm again this is how I learned the story story from him I was like why would we want to be around a bunch of people who don't want us there it's the worst thing in the world like and there are a bunch of them and there's just only a little bit of us we're like why would you want to why would you want to be a little kitten that moved into a dog pound that's how I framed it and he got so mad at that song like, you don't understand. Yeah. You don't understand. And he had that, what you mm-hmm. probably were talking about, that sense of like, oh, we have to yeah. be loyal to this. Yeah. And he had gone on some sort of birthright. I don't think birthright existed at that point. Something, I mean, like. Something original, like that. Propaganda. Yeah. Type he went on a yeah. propaganda. And he had that experience. And so anyway, all of that, when I was playing it, I was sort of like, oh, my wow. God, this yeah. is too intense. So, yeah. okay. So but you had some ideas about how that related. Well, yeah, time, obviously, just it's a process of, of really seeing what's happening and also, like, getting more progressive people who are critical of Israel and also, like, see, like, just also just more diverse people mm-hmm. of color, like Rashida there's, and yeah. Ilhan, There like, was a glass ceiling lyric in there. Yeah, that I was yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah, I know. I was like, what? <laughs> the ceiling gets too high. Yeah. Also, I think there was a line about, like, having just like new people or maybe I, I yeah. don't remember that correctly but it's it all it feels like it all connects mm-hmm. god it's so i forgot how this show worked where you're like oh no it's like haunting in a way where you're like, there's you're a pop right. oracle. yeah, <laughs> yeah this stuff's oh. real synchronicity yeah. music is powerful uh-huh. too did you have an idea sure uh, for about, about the song yeah um there were lyrics that i thought worked so well whether it was just we need a time. Um, when the ceiling gets too high, just give it some time. So it's just like, it feels like it's like never going to be resolved or whatever, but maybe we just need more time than we can anticipate or whatever. And um, I wish I had the lyrics in front of me because I thought, I think they're so, they would, as I was listening to you sing it, I was like, whoa, like this, this really fits. Yeah. <laughs> well, but, the, there yeah. was that I. In the song, I mean, it's very much an adolescent. It's written for like to be a sort of an adolescent song. It's about mm-hmm. a guy trying to like, like, I think that's sort of like trying to convince a girl to be nice to him. Like, why? You know, what are we? You know, why are why are we yeah. make why are we fighting about this stuff? Why can't we just get along? Why can't you just be nice? Why, like, why? Why do you? You know, mm-hmm. very high school guys kind of conversation, and uh, and so. There's something about that, this urgency of like, mm-hmm. why can't, oh, it's so obvious. Why can't we yeah. just like, just get our shit together around yeah. this? There is an urgency too. And, and there is. And question. And I think that's the, that, that kind of uh, was felt in the song, you know? There was, I guess the fact, I'm, I'm trying to think. Did I? No, most of the songwriters in this aren't Jewish. I was going to get, I was going to say the fact that he's Jewish. I was like, wait a second, are they all Jewish songwriters? <laughs> Is there some of my weird Jewish privilege that I threw in here? No, no. But the fact that he's very Jewish. Well, we're in the you'll, when this comes out, it'll be April. You won't know. But this is the week that Bernie Sanders uh, declared his, that he's running yeah. for uh, the for president yeah. again, and I have been one of the things that I love about Bernie Sanders. Is just he's he's generally right on most of the issues, mm-hmm. and Israel is one of the ones. And I feel like when he went and put his arm around Ilan Omar on that, it, I think I felt like it diffuse. It just it sort of put the lie to the idea to the to the to the idea that what she was doing was anti-Semitic. Yeah, it's like here is this prominent <laughs> Jewish proud man, and yeah. he like speaking of Hillary Clinton, 
he was the one who got up and was critical of APAC when he was running. Mm-hmm. And I feel like, like you said, as a Jewish person, as a Jewish man, being a leader in America and being critical of Israel, which means being, again, I want to just always keep being critical of the United States. <laughs> like, yeah. Israel would not be the way Israel is well, if the, United, the United States hadn't been doing its geopolitical games mm-hmm. The same way they were doing it in Iran and the same way they were doing it in South America and the same they the same way we were doing it in all these places. That's what we do. Yeah. We're doing it in Venezuela now. Mm-hmm. It's just like it's to me and that's that's where I keep coming back to. It's like what? Like what are we doing? Like as Americans, we have the we have say oh or we have more say about the country that is really as Martin Luther King said, the greatest purveyor of violence and terror in the world. And that was true in 1962, and that's true today. More true today, Mm -hmm. because, as you said, the person who's who's president is a monster. So, anyway, it is time. The point is, it is fucking time. Yeah, it is. And... I don't know how you feel about Bernie Sanders, but I'm really inspired I love, about I mean, him. I, when he was still in the running for the... Um, with Hillary Clinton. Primary. Yeah, for the primaries. I, I like, I went to a rally in Arizona and I recorded, like, a um, promo for him or whatever, like, for, for people to vote for him. And it was really inspiring or whatever. And, um, but I, I think he was too ahead of his time. Like, I think America showed, showed its two true colors. And I think my issue with the election that happened was that the people that loved there were some like, a legion of people that were so into Bernie that they didn't vote for Hillary and I think those are the people that got us Trump <laughs> like I mean there, there are more reasons why Trump was elected but I think I have an issue with those people because I don't think they're just as bad as each other I don't think Hillary was just as bad as Trump I don't think so either but I just want to say that I think a lot of those people were in states that Hillary Clinton won I think I mean, um, the ones I know yeah. were in California, New York, Boston, Massachusetts, I just, I just Washington, issue, Oregon. I just had an issue with people that voted for Jill Stein or like, just, just, to spite, just to spite Hillary. And I think um, they they underestimated the power of ignorant America. They underestimated the, the, the power and the, the will of, of Trump. Uh, and I think I would, I mean, women. I mean, Bernie would have been an amazing president back then. Um, he'll be, but, he but, might be an amazing one in 2020. Yeah, he might be. Um, his age frightens me a little bit, but, but like, I do think he's amazing. Um, I, I like fresh blood sounds nice too, though. Um, but at the same time, I, that's, I think, I think he swayed people so far to the left, which I think everything he says is so correct and and i love everything he stands for but i feel like america was just not ready well actually i speaking of being ready we're going to put a pin in this and we're going to move to the next segment and when we get to ask your question because we just we want to like so i feel like we have a set we got your question about Mm -hmm. uh i I think and we're now going down the rabbit hole stick with stick with us tomorrow we're going to be talking with about more of uh just what we just Mm -hmm. on, on court which is Democratic politics in the United mm-hmm. States. And uh, say one of your f- cute things that you say before we, we, to end the show, like, bye. Or- bye. <laughs> <laughs>
Thanks for listening to Radio 8 Ball. We hope today's musical divination brings and brought the sync to you wherever you are. For more info about our show, visit Radio8Ball.com, where you'll find the Radio 8 blog, our Patreon campaign, and where you can download our Radio 8 Ball app that allows you to engage the pop oracle directly in the form of every song ever performed in the history of Radio 8 Ball. If you enjoy the show, please subscribe to us wherever you get your podcasts. And if you give us good reviews and ratings, that really helps get the word out. Until next time, I'm your host, Andras Jones, wishing you lots of spine-tingling synchronicities, connections with the natural world, and all the inspiration you can handle. It's the Radio 8 Ball Show. Time, when you can't make up your mind, it takes such a lot to find the place where you belong and try. When the ceiling gets too high And the moments pass you by To believe you can't go wrong